0: This is another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast. I'm Skip Stewart, Vice President and Chief Improvement Officer at Baptist Memorial Healthcare.
1: Hey, everybody. I'm H.F. Mason. I'm a general surgeon and Chief Medical Officer at Baptist Memorial Hospital DeSoto and Chief Quality Officer for the Baptist System.
2: And hi, everyone. I'm Jake Lancaster. I'm an internal medicine physician and the Chief Medical Information Officer for the Baptist System.
0: Well, I am so excited. Today, we have a guest that's a friend, and it's the second time he's been on Connecting the Dots podcast. It's Mark Graben, and we're going to talk about his new book, The Mistakes That Make Us. I love that title. I love the podcast that this book comes out of. And thank you so much, Mark, for spending time with us and, and talking to us about this really important work. Thank you so much, my friend. How are you today?
3: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back. I'm really happy we can have another discussion here today. Thank you, Mark.
1: As Skip said, it's it's great to have you back. Uh, and and you know I, uh, I I think very highly of you. Your your book Measures of, of Success is one of my favorite books. And for all of our listeners out there, if if you want to learn about run charts and process behavior charts and how to leverage those uh, to, and um, to drive your improvement work. Uh, I highly recommend it. It, it. It's just been an invaluable resource for me. So once again, thank you for that book. And, and today you. we're going to talk about your new book, the, uh, the mistakes that make us. And, uh, before, before we get into the, the nitty gritty of the book, uh, I want you to tell us a little bit about how the book came to be and, and the story behind you, you know, the podcast, my favorite mistake sort of, was birthed not not because you came up with it, but but you had some guests that were going to be on your show that, that that didn't really fit in with the lean blog podcast that you do. So tell us a little bit about that story.
3: Yeah, um, the book is uh, I guess I could say inspired by the podcast. You know, I gave it a different title because I you know there's there's a little bit different framework from the book, but a lot of stories from my guests. On my favorite mistake, or certainly included in the book on uh, the mistakes that make us. But some of the origin story actually goes back to about 2015. Uh, a previous book that I was more the editor of, uh, a book called Practicing Lean, was really kind of born from some reflections around, you know, gosh, all right, I've I've been doing this type of work with continuous improvement and lean management for about 20 years. And I wrote two chapters that shared some reflections about thinking back to the first years of of my work or my practice, right? And the the phrase practicing lean is kind of half stolen from medicine, where you know, the physicians, you get to say you're practicing medicine. Um, We're practicing lean. Hopefully we're learning um, from each other, learning from our, our own mistakes, getting better over time at our craft, instead of just you know, repeating the same mistakes over and over again. And, you know, 15 other people sort of accepted my invitation to contribute a chapter with some of their own reflections of mistakes that we made earlier in our career and 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 not just learning from the mistakes. We hoped part of the takeaway and reminders to ourselves, including me, is like, look, when people are new to something, they're going to make mistakes. Like they might be mistakes that are born out of enthusiasm misapplication of something maybe they don't have a good coach or mentor helping them along the way they're doing the best that they can and so that book was kind of a passion project and um, as as you alluded to in in 2020 during pandemic times i wasn't traveling um, to go work with clients i was doing what i could from home and um, the first person who reached out a pr person suggested a guest um, for my lean podcast that I, i couldn't figure out how to make it a fit um, Kevin Harrington, not one of the most famous sharks, if you will, from the show Shark Tank. But he was on season one. And I thought, wow, I would really like to, to meet him and talk with him. And yeah, I guess it was an exercise instead of falling back on, well, it's not a fit. The way we've always done it would would be to say thanks, but no thanks. Um, kind of did some brainstorming back and forth. What about a podcast about learning from mistakes? I'm a big fan of Cheryl Crow. The musician, she has a song, yes. My Favorite Mistake. And um, it was almost, I think you it was. You know who she's talking about in that think, song? Well, I know it's a, it's it's about a love mistake.
1: Who I always heard it was Eric it? Clapton. Now, whether or not that's oh, true or not, I think I they had a little it. fling sometime. But anyway, that's,
3: that is the rumor about the song. You're right. Um, I think it was a mistake, actually. I think I should have called it something like Our Favorite Mistakes because if you search spotify for my favorite mistake you find the Cheryl Crow song and not my uh, podcast it was maybe yeah. too clever by half but um yeah i mean so uh, kevin harrington was so gracious about being a guest and being really vulnerable and sharing not some trivial little mistake but like a story about a mistake that almost put his company out of business right so he set the tone and thankfully um, more than 200 people right now have kind of followed that lead of being willing to also share a mistake, and I I think that's one of the key themes in the book is you know the benefit that can come from sharing um, sharing our mistakes. But now when we're in a workplace, not everybody feels safe doing so. So there's part of the challenge or the situation that's inspiration for the book. You know, people felt safe doing so on the podcast but that's different than being in a workplace environment.
2: Mark, um once again, thanks again for coming on the on the program. You know, this is a fascinating topic. Um all of us have have made mistakes, and have some, you know, more than others, HF, but um
1: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs>
2: none of us like to make mistakes. Um You know, but all of us can point to a mistake we've made in our lives and, you know, its significance and how we've changed from it, hopefully. Um, We can't do the same with good decisions. Um, You know, most of us would have trouble saying, you know, what were the top five best decisions you've ever made or (laughs) mistakes, if that's something, you know. So all of us have made mistakes. We've all learned from the mistakes. We, of course, don't want to make more mistakes but it is a a very important part of growing and developing. So can you reflect maybe just on, on why we tend to, to learn more from Mm -hmm. making mistakes than from making good decisions?
3: Well, I mean, if we're making, that's an interesting question. I mean, if we're making momentous big decisions and, and having a good track record, we, it might help to reflect on that and say, well, Hey, well, why did I make that decision? Let's, let's, continue hopefully making good decisions but um, mistakes stick with us in a different way um, like you said none of us like making mistakes and you know on on the podcast and in discussions about mistakes even at work um, we, we can try to figure out how to frame mistakes as something positive the learn like we, we don't like that we make made this mistake but let's learn from it and hopefully learn from it in ways where we can avoid repeating the mistake. Like that's really powerful as an individual. And I think it it becomes exponentially more powerful in a workplace where we can learn from someone else's mistake. We can avoid, you know, if if one, one, we shouldn't have to all make the same mistake so we can each individually learn from it. You know, there's, there's supposed to be a benefit of being part of a team and an organization. Um, where we, you know, if we can learn from other people's mistakes, that means fewer mistakes are being made. If organizations, and I think this is an opportunity in healthcare, if healthcare organizations can be learning from each other instead of all making the same mistake locally and having the same constructive problem-solving reaction to it, I mean that I, I think there's there's real power in in being able to share mistakes and learn from them. But I think a lot of it comes back to culture. Are, are people Afraid of sharing a mistake that they made, or pointing out a mistake that maybe they weren't even involved in. Um, if there's going to be, you know, punishment or, or um, you know, ill effects on on, on people personally, it's going to be hard for them to think of like, well, I'm going to get punished, but the organization will benefit. I mean, that that's putting people in a tough position. Um, so I think you know, trying to eliminate some of the fear factor makes it easier for people to speak up about mistakes and you know i I, but again i think that's the pathway to having fewer mistakes over time trying to create an environment where it's safe to share that that leads to, to effective problem solving or you know another way of thinking about it is you know we need not just the psychological safety for people to feel comfortable and safe speaking up and sharing a mistake if we don't also have good problem solving well, then we're dooming people to repeating the same mistake and getting the same non-punitive response every time. Like, I think, you know, we, 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 we have to, if you will, connect the dots between, you know, the, the, the practices that build psychological safety with the practices of problem solving. Um, because you're, you're right. Back to your point. I, I, hopefully I haven't veered off from your question too much, Dr. Lancaster, but none of us like making mistakes. I think people especially don't like repeating mistakes. And in healthcare, people don't want to make mistakes that would harm a patient. So I I think we have to be, you know, as as leaders kind of welcoming and constructive. I don't think we should go so far as to, quote, unquote, celebrate the mistake, but we we should respect and, and honor the fact that it happened and then turn it into something positive
1: yeah i i really liked your first point in your book it's about thinking positively and and as you said it starts with the culture
3: Mm
1: -hmm. uh where where people um feel safe as you said um and how you know i'd always heard that toyota really embraced this and i know you're you're so familiar with the toyota production system how they, they may not celebrate those mistakes but they actually look at those in in the most positive light that they can because th- those are learning opportunities for them to get better and 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 yeah. your uh, another point is, is you know uh I, th- I think in the third chapter is you talk about being kind and you, you 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 say that to yourself and you know we've always heard you know first you gotta learn how to forgive yourself mm-hmm. and and, and t- talk to us about how how important that is to to be kind to yourself in in the midst of of, of making a mistake,
3: Yeah, um, well, so first, let me touch on Toyota a little bit because I think a lot of people will credit Toyota for continuous improvement and problem solving. They are also, it seems really strong on the psychological safety side of things. because um, you know you can think um, on on one hand, what's what evidence would we see of psychological safety? In a Toyota plant, I think part of that evidence is people reaching up all day long and pulling this thing called an Andon cord, of pointing out a problem, admitting a mistake, calling for help, getting help, like that. I don't think that system works without a high degree of psychological safety, because you can look at other companies that copied the Andon cord, and people learn very quickly: don't pull that cord, because if you do, you get yelled at for stopping the line. Right. Um, so that there's that cultural element, but then, you know, kind of go through some of the Toyota literature, the book Toyota Culture by Jeff Liker, you know, from University of Michigan, who studied Toyota very closely for decades, Mike Hoseas, who actually worked at Toyota, you know, they wrote this together. And in the book, it says pretty directly that Toyota talks about not just physical safety, but the need and the importance for psychological safety. Um, and, and, and there's stories in the book, two of which are from my podcast guests. One is I kind of retell the story Mike Hoseas told in, in that book. But you see, like, whether it's Asao Yoshino in Japan in the 1960s or David Meyer or Mike Hoseas in Kentucky in the 1980s, when a mistake is made or it's obvious or apparent, not even something that they had to admit, but it was obvious that there were these mistakes. There was this consistent response from leaders. I'm like, well, that sounds more like culture than coincidence. If it's separated by decades and separated by continents, of leaders basically instead of being punitive, right? Or or instead of being, you know, nice. And I, I run across this sometimes in organizations where leaders emphasize, okay, we're not gonna be punitive, but we'll say skip to pick on you. Skip it's okay. I know you didn't mean to make the mistake. It's a systemic problem. It's not your fault. Don't feel bad. It's okay. Okay, then end of discussion, right? That might be nice, but it might not be helpful. It it might not be constructive. It doesn't do anything to prevent the next mistake. And and, and I'll I'll credit my friend Karen Ross for helping me really understand, as she has written about, the difference between nice and kind. That kind is more action-oriented. That kind is constructive. Right. So it would be more kind for me to maybe even constructively challenge Skip. Skip, let's figure it out. Let's figure out why that mistake happened. Let's do some problem solving together. Let's figure out how to prevent it. To me, that's kind. That goes beyond nice. And you see that reaction uh, at Toyota, not just being nice, not just apologizing. Sorry, we didn't set you up for success, but being kind. With the follow-up now, you know, back, back to your other part of the question, though, about being kind to yourself. I, I'm i still working on that. Right. I, I need this reminder. I've got a coffee mug with some mantras <laughs> on it here related to my podcast. It says, you know, first line, be kind to your I'm going to just read the whole thing real quick. Be kind to yourself. Nobody is perfect. We all make mistakes. Let's learn from our mistakes and help others do the same. Like I um, I, I'm probably more likely to be unkind to myself than I am to others, you know. There's there's a different dynamic there. Of so even if no one's no one's being no one's yelling at me or, or punishing me, I, I I have to remind myself sometimes. Look, I didn't intend to upload the wrong Kindle book update. I did this a couple of weeks ago. Quick story, <laughs> and then I'll stop rambling here. I was trying to update the Kindle version of Measures of Success. And I hit upload, and as soon as I, I, I realized immediately, oh no! I uploaded the mistakes that make us to yeah. Amazon. So there was a 90-minute window where if somebody bought Measures of Success, they would have been probably understandably upset to open it and realize this is not the right book. <laughs> they might have blamed Amazon, but you know it was totally my fault. So I caught myself saying in my inner monologue, oh, what a dumb mistake!" What? A, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, that's." That's not helpful, you know. So, Mark,
2: maybe we can talk a little bit more about why healthcare may be a little different. You know, Skip doesn't like when I say that we're special, but, you know, in some ways we are. Because if you make a mistake and you upload the wrong audio book is one thing. But if HF amputates the wrong leg or I kill somebody and I can't just say, oh, nobody's perfect, we all make mistakes, I'm going to move on with my day. It's just the severity and the consequences mm-hmm. are much different. Can you comment on on how that influences yeah. how we deal with mistakes maybe in healthcare?
3: Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, somebody would have been maybe mildly annoyed uh, by downloading, by getting the wrong version, the wrong book in their Kindle app. Nobody dies right so part of being kind to myself is a reminder of like okay it really wasn't that big of a deal right and there's things I could do to prevent repeating that mistake other than telling myself hey be careful uh, in healthcare the impact of mistakes of course can be um, you know har- harmful or fatal and I, you know that I, I don't have this all figured out, but just as an observation like because the impact of mistakes, can be so much higher in healthcare, that would be an argument for, well, healthcare should have a better culture of learning from mistakes. That that I think that tends not to be, I'm I'm painting with a very broad brush, and this might be unfair, and you can disagree with me, especially locally at Baptist. But I, I think people in healthcare would recognize, going back to Don Berwick and, and others who have written about this, that. Healthcare has a culture of blaming individuals for systemic problems. I'm generalizing, again, right, that there's too much of that. And then there's too much of this fear factor where if people can get away with it, they'll hide and cover up a mistake. Then we can't learn. Then we can't improve. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, not, not all mistakes are created equally. And, you know, I think as, as there's a story in the book, kind of a scenario shared with a friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Greg Jacobson, he's an ER doc who started a software company, Kynexus. You know, Greg talks about in the, in the ER that well, if they accidentally, if they mistakenly give 800 milligrams of ibuprofen instead of 600 milligrams, probably not really harmful. But then there's the risk of people say, well, it didn't cause any harm, so there's no need to do any problem solving. And and I think Greg rightfully points out, you know, wait a minute, uh, the failure mode that led to that wrong dose of ibuprofen being given, if we don't capture that opportunity for learning in a constructive way and make it safe for someone to self-report and point out something that seems trivial, we gave the wrong dose of ibuprofen to the patient over there, there's a lost opportunity to learn because the next time that same process failure mode might lead to a fatal overdose, you know, and it's just, you know, there's, there's, there's opportunities to, 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 I think, not only move beyond you know, punitive responses to mistakes, but make sure that there's good problem solving to help prevent the mistakes that would cause um, harm or death. I mean, I mean this is re- – I mean, it's, it's clearly really, really serious um, situations in healthcare, which is all the more reason why, you know, this culture is important. And as I, I talk about in the book, there's kind of two related sides of a coin – Um, there are certain mistakes we should absolutely be working hard to prevent through systems, processes, communication, culture. At the same time, when a mistake still happens, we need to react in a way that's constructive, you know, with empathy and and kindness and problem solving, because to me that's the pathway to to have fewer errors and mistakes over time and fewer harm to patients over time.
1: Absolutely. We, uh, you know, unfortunately in healthcare we have we have never events that are called sentinel events and when we have those sentinel events we have to do um a root cause analysis and and part of that process is you know there's i can't remember the name of it but there's a, a flow chart and you know you know and and something you know some things are you know the patient just i mean the the employee or team member just absolutely didn't do something that they knew that they were supposed to do. And, and that becomes a, an HR issue. But the vast, vast, vast majority of things are our process issues. And, uh, you know, most of us come to work every day wanting to do a good job. You know, we we don't yes. come unless you're a psychopath. You know, right. you want to come come in and yeah. and and uh you know throw a monkey wrench P- and everything. P- but people
3: harming patients
1: intentionally should be
3: prosecuted and jailed.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, we we've always heard. You know, the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the uh, same results. I don't know where that came from, and I don't even know if that's that's really true. But how important sometimes we we may do a good job of, you know, not being punitive and, and whatnot, but but we we keep making the same mistakes over and over again. And and talk to us a little bit about that.
3: Well, so then, you know, I think let, let's delve into problem solving, as I, I know all of you love talking about um and, and working on you know more importantly like how do we get better at problem solving how, how do we do a better job of understanding um the root cause or contributing causes to a mistake and how do we get better at putting preventative measures or mistake proofing you know into place um, you know i think we, we we can and we need to do better than you know i think in a lot of situations people they might point to the system and then they'll say, well, the countermeasure is, OK, we're going to retrain all the staff. Like, well, it sounds like you're blaming the staff or you're, you're I don't like I don't know if training awareness, you know, is 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 the best or most effective countermeasure. Is that really getting down to the right systems level? Um, so, I, you know, I think there's opportunities to do better problem solving. Um and, and and really try to look beyond some of the surface questions of saying, well, why somebody did the wrong thing? Why? Because they weren't trained properly. Well, if if the training wasn't effective the first time, that sounds back to your quote. Insanity is retraining the person <laughs> the same way again and again and expecting a better result. I mean, there might be something is said for repetition. But I mean, if if training Retraining is, is such a common countermeasure, why don't we go proactively and, and, and try to improve our training in different ways from the get-go? I know you all, you know, uh, talk about and use methods like training within industry. You know, we, we could be, you know, proactive or, or even in a reactive way, use methodologies like that, that I think would be more effective than doing things, that the, 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 I think, the equivalent of telling people to be more careful, you know, um, it might be non-punitive. Uh, it might seem nice, but like if it's not effective, you know, I'd say, well, that's that's, yeah, it can be unkind and ineffective at the same time. So yeah, getting better at problem solving is you know, a necessary part of the equation.
1: When when we're when we're, you know, developing new processes, uh, new ways to do things, how how important it is, is it for us to really think about where in this process is failure likely to happen and 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 and, and really focus on that. You know, I, I think about you know making failure impossible or making it as hard, you know, you can't I can't shift my car into gear unless my foot is on the brake. You Correct. know, it's just it's just not going to happen. And, and that's a safety measure. How, how important is it for us to build into our processes, mm-hmm. you know, steps that that if it's not impossible, it's almost impossible to make yeah. a mistake? I, yeah, I mean, what I've,
2: was that Jeff word for um, stake proofing that we had a few weeks back? What was it?
1: Oh,
3: but, oh
0: pokeyoke
2: okay.
1: okay. there you go yeah that's right i was thinking of a poke bowl
3: <laughs> delicious um well it's funny you talk about like that that brake interlock um the requirement to put your foot on the brake before shifting into gear that in a way was reactive to incidents that were happening of people were saying you know uh, drivers of different brands over a couple of decades were saying oh these cars had unintended acceleration and then we really kind of dig into it it's like people it's a mistake a driver mistake it's human error they thought they were putting their foot on the brake but they were they put their foot on the gas when they when they shifted into gear and it's like, well you shouldn't do that and you know i'll give the auto industry and or regulators credit um, that this interlock of having to put your foot on the brake before shifting is far more effective than a warning on the shifter or a warning on the dash that says, "Oh, make sure you have your foot on the brake." Like there's a forcing function. There's there's mistake proofing there. Um, so sometimes these things these have been uh, have been very reactive, but we can be proactive when designing a new process or doing something new. I share a little bit in the book. Um, it's it's uh, engineers are not always good marketers, right? So here's an acronym: FMEA, failure mode effects analysis. Like, I, like to me as an engineer, this is kind of drummed into your head of like this proactive thought process of like what could go wrong, what's the likelihood of that thing going wrong, how detectable is that thing gone wrong, and what's the impact or severity of that thing gone wrong? And you know sometimes we're using experience or judgment to try to anticipate some of these things might be judgment calls, but it, it helps us prioritize the things that we might want to focus on mistake-proofing in different ways um, to, to proactively look and say, okay, we're setting up some sort of new medical procedure and there's medication. And we say, well, well, those two medications have pretty similar labels, right? We could be proactive in identifying that there's a risk instead of telling people, well, hey, always double-check the label. No, don't give the wrong medication. Like, we, evidence shows that's just, that's ineffective and then to tell people after the fact you should have read the label like to me that's not um good problem solving or effective for the future so you know we can be proactive and, and i've been in some situations where people are being almost superstitious of oh we don't we don't like to talk about the things that could go wrong and I'm like, well we need we need to do we, we we need to do better than that but then i think a second thing to look at is when we're trying anything new is the small tests of change strategy. Like, let, let's mitigate our risk by doing something first on a small scale. And there's a lot of, I think, history of that in medicine of whether it's pharmaceutical trials or, or other tests and trials. Um, you can learn from early attempts at um, doing something new so that we can iterate rapidly. You know, so there's this balance of, like, when do you feel comfortable moving forward with even that small test of change? What's responsible? What's ethical? What's going to be effective um, while realizing, yeah, gosh, um, if we pressure people to be perfect and they don't feel safe to point out a risk or an opportunity for improvement, then we're not we won't be improving.
1: Yeah, I mean, like like you said, it's an iterative Process. I mean, it's you know, you 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 can't always go from A to B in one fell swoop. I mean, you have to, like you said, small test of change, just over and over again. The PDSA. But you
3: know, I think a lot of things are. It's highly situational. Again, of like the risk of um, you know, there's a story in the book where a nurse at a hospital, you know, had identified a problem and spoke up. So that's good about you know, patients were dropping things on the floor the remote control glasses their phone and then there's risk if they try to get those things and they might fall We well, can say well maybe part of the root cause would be make sure they always get a quick response when they call press the call light but um you know and that was a situation where you know he had the idea of like well let's buy this thing that we would attach to the bed rail we'll buy one for all 220 beds like at most that could have been you know what what's what's 220, I want to make sure I get the zeros right, uh, 220 times $20. Um, at most, that could have been a $4,400 mistake to try these things, buy one for every bed, and then find for some reason that, no, that wasn't right. That's not a life or death situation. It's not hugely expensive. But we, we took more, kind of helped coach them through more of that small test of change approach. Let's try it on a couple of beds first. Let's get some feedback. Because, you know, there's this question of, like, do we know? what the right solution was or do we just have a solid hypothesis like if you know you could go buy 220 of the thing but they were in a situation where there were assumptions there was a solid hypothesis so it seemed reasonable to do the small test of change and then evaluate it and either you know study and adjust continue moving forward or go back and try something different and, the, and i think when when the test of change is small there's less pressure to be right You know, if you made a if you made a big, expensive mistake, people might feel pressured to rationalize it, justify it, double down. And and that might not be good for the organization or others involved.
0: This has really been good, Mark. You know, my mind goes in so many different ways. I I love the part where the name of the book, the mistakes that make us, you know, we're as an organization in the Baptist management system, we're very involved with the Improvement Kata Coaching Kata. And Mike Rother, the author that always talks about keeping a, a small blast radius, he'll he'll use that <laughs> phrase. Yeah. And, you know, in, in our mindset, everything's an experiment. Every single day, we're going to do something. We're going to expect something to happen. Most often, something different happens, and then we get to learn. So just embracing this conversation around mistakes and how they make us it makes me think of a quote from Dr. Lancaster's favorite coach, Nick Saban, that says, Don't let a crisis <laughs> right. go
1: to waste. And
0: isn't that, isn't that his name, uh,
1: uh, Jake? <laughs> Yeah, he's at some small school in (laughs) Tuscaloosa.
0: For for our audience, Dr. Lancaster and Dr. Mason, uh, they're they're old Miss graduates, so I know I just cut them at the heart by saying they're Alabama fans. But Mark, thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you for coming back a second time, and we hope you'll come back a third and fourth and many more times. But we love learning with you. Uh, and we just we appreciate the work you're doing, whether it be writing books or the podcast that you're doing or many presentations I know constantly across the nation. We are so grateful uh, for the light that you're shining on not only conversations like this, Mark, but even in the healthcare industry. You have been a pioneer in the healthcare world, and we're just so incredibly grateful for you. So on behalf of... Baptist Memorial Healthcare. I just want to personally say thank you, Mark, and thank you for spending time with us and and helping us think together about this very important conversation. Thank you so much, my friend.
3: Well, thank you. And if I
0: can real quick, like, I hope I wasn't
3: I hope I wasn't unkind, you know, to you or your colleagues listening. I don't mean for people to get caught up in a broad brush. I appreciate the work that you're doing there at Baptist and and what you're sharing, and and so. Um, Thank you for letting me come and talk about some of these things today. I I hope I wasn't unfair or unkind.
0: No, not Not at at all. all. Thank you. Thank you so much, my friend.
3: Thank you all.